Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome to the MMA Fan Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Stu and Blake. Hello and welcome to the MMA Fan Show. I am Blake Harrison and joining me as ever is the wonderful Stu Whiffin. How are you doing, mate? I'm all good, Mr. Harrison. You all right? I'm good. I'm good. We've got a really great guest on the show today. We've got a guest. We've got a big boy. <laughs> we got we got a big boy. He's a big one. Uh, We've caught a big one. <laughs> we caught a big one here. Oh, it's, we're gonna take all the muscles around here, mate. Oh, oh, we're gonna need a bigger boat. Um, we uh, <laughs> why do we we think we're amusing? But we're fucking idiots. Oh, no. um, People are just no. skipping this bit till the guest they comes on. Don't they worry, re- they really are. Um, Suffering these gentlemen, pair of idiots. These pair of fucking twats. Um, so uh, yes, we have got a fantastic uh, guest on. UK heavyweight, successful in the Contender Series, successful in his UFC debut. Uh, it is Mick Parkin, and uh, you will hear what we think his uh, nickname can be towards the end of the show mm. after this chat. Um, but he's great. Honestly, it's a really lovely chat with with Mick. He's, uh, he's just really friendly, nice guy. Again, for someone that is six foot four, big heavyweight UFC fighter, he just seems like this really just lovely. Just humble, want to give him a cuddle. Sure, I go. You just want to give him a cuddle. I bet he gives good cuddles, actually. Yeah, definitely. He gives a good cuddle. It's a snug um, hug from Mick, mate. A, oh, but it's lovely. Oh, it's a warm. You could hibernate in it. Um, be lovely. I'd love to hibernate in Mick Parkin. Just lose them winter months inside Mick oh, Parkin. Oh, be lovely. He's probably listening to this now, going, "What the fuck have I done? Why have I done an interview with these two weirdos?" Um, but uh, but no. But we we love Mick. Really great chat really good guy really talented heavyweight as well and he's got a fight booked he's got a fight booked for uh november 18th against chow machado um so yeah fingers crossed he can make some waves in the heavyweight division uh we talked to him about his journey so far about the contender series his ufc debut we also talked to him a little bit about uh tom aspinall because he's been uh training with him and working with him and it was a big help to him for his ufc debut uh so yeah we talk about that a a lack of heavyweights in uh in the uk and why he's gone on the journey that he's done it's all there um is there anything else to say 
There's a few things. So, uh, firstly, we've just mentioned Tom Aspinall there. Um, if you've not checked uh, our episode out with Tom, we was lucky to have Tom on the show a while back. You can go and do that. We discussed Paul Craig uh, on this episode as well. <coughs> go check out uh, our chats with Paul. We've had Paul on a couple of times. Um, and if you're into uh, these kind of conversations with, with UK UFC fighters, then we've had them all from Mike Bispin through to... Uh, Paddy Dan, the Paddy Pimlet. Um, Dan Hardy. Dan Hardy, Molly McCann, Jai Herbert. Uh, Arnold Allen. Arnold Allen, Jack Shaw, Lerone Murphy, Nathaniel Wood. Brad Pickett. Uh, We've had them all. Brad Pickett, Brett Johns. We've had them all on. As we mentioned, Paul Craig. Mm. Yeah, we've had loads of top, top, top fighters. Uh, Chris Duncan recently Mm. as well. We've had some great UK fighters. Mason Jones. The list goes on and on. Uh, So please do check those out if you haven't done already. Um, And if you're listening to this and you've not checked out our YouTube channel, then go and do that. And why not subscribe when you're over there? And while you're over there, if you want to see a really swish-looking interview, you can go and watch our our chat with um, Bruce Buffer, which is our absolute banger of an episode and uh, so yeah and if you're not if you're just listening to it wherever you listen to us on whatever platform give us a little a little subscribe it really does help with the old algorithms and all of that stuff and uh, and we're pretty active on the uh, on the socials mainly instagram and twitter um so give us a, a little like love share retweet and all that stuff over there and i think that's all she wrote That is basically all she wrote. But before we crack on with a brilliant chat with Mick Parkin, we do just want to remind you all that we are partnered with Gamcare. This is not a sponsorship. We don't get any money for this whatsoever. We just want to be nice. And uh, we are partnered with Gamcare, who are a charity that do fantastic work with people that are suffering from gambling addiction. So if you are someone that is either suffering from gambling addiction or if you're someone that is friends or a family member of someone suffering with a gambling addiction, Gamcare can really, really help you. They have a 24-7 helpline. They, uh, if you're nervous about chatting to someone on the phone, you can go and use their, their uh, website and use the little kind of chat box uh, and talk to someone on there. And also, if it's serious, you can get counselling through them for free. And there's no long waiting list. You can get this quickly. You can get it for free, which is an incredible thing. So not just if you're suffering with a gambling addiction, but if you're the uh, family member or friend of someone suffering from a gambling addiction and it's affecting you, you can use this service and they can try and help you. Uh, it's a phenomenal thing that they do. They really do help people out there. So if, if you're in any way dealing with problems with, with debts or looking at payday loans or spending your salary when it comes in straight away because you're gambling, maybe this is something for you. If, if your relationships with loved ones are suffering because of your gambling, this is something you can just check out. There's no, you know, there's no pressure on it. There's no commitment. Just check it out. Give someone a call. 24-7 helpline. Stu, have you got the deets for that? Yep. The number is 0808 8020 That's 0808-8020-133. Or as Blake said, if you don't want to pick up the phone, if you feel nervous or uncomfortable speaking to someone over the phone, just go to the website and the pop-up box is right on the homepage. And you can just have a, uh, a conversation with somebody on there on the live chat. Uh, and the website you need to go to is G-A-M-C-A-R-E. That's gamcare.org.uk. Once more, that's gamcare.org. UK. Wonderful. Right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get on with our chat with the wonderful, friendly, brilliant Mick Parkin. Mick Parkin, how are you doing, mate? Welcome to the show. I'm doing good, man. How are you? 
Very good, very good, thank you. Uh, whereabouts are you at the moment? I'm just in the house now. Uh, I just finished training, so I rushed along to do this. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you were looking you, over there, you. like, where am I? Where, am I in the house? <laughs> am I somewhere else? Like, what's going on? No, I'm just, I'm, it's tilted. I've got you tilted good now, but I feel like any little movement could knock it off, so I'm trying to be perfectly balanced here. Uh, uh, <laughs> which is probably very delicate for a, a heavyweight like yourself, not to just, <laughs> just make it all nah, go. Definitely, it's all right. If, definitely. if we start looking at the ceiling, we know what's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. But like, Mick, what we like to do is, uh, is start by just asking you kind of where you grew up and if that was an area where you felt like being tough or dealing with confrontation was something that you had to get used to very quickly. Yeah. Um, so I'm from Sunderland, in the northeast of England. I'm from like a small, well, it used to be classes of village, Castle Elm, it was called. It was all like mining village. I'm talking years ago now. It's more like a little town, uh, village now. But um, yeah, it was definitely, it's definitely got a lot better now as I've got older. But I was younger, it was quite rough, I'd have said, like council estate, like, um, I was I'm trying to think. Like, I don't want to like make it sound like terrible because it wasn't terrible. Because I knew all the people growing up was quite close knit. Yeah. It was definitely like our class. Most people from were classes of rougher estate, and um, it wasn't a lot to do. I feel like everybody I just played football as kids, or you, there was a boxing gym. You would go to boxing gyms, yeah. or you'd be on the streets. That was really, really silly. It what we had, so um, wasn't great for kids and stuff that's try to do stuff with all I've got like they put on like youth clubs and football stuff like that but mainly it was like hanging around like the streets and stuff like that it wasn't a great deal to do when you were younger and stuff like that and like when it comes to your your size be being a heavyweight when you were younger is that did you get pulled into more fights or were you avoided a lot more? Because, you know, I'm sure that if someone was starting something and you were in a group of mates, they'd probably look at you and go, oh, maybe not, maybe not that one. <laughs> yeah, so I've been pretty big since I was like, uh, I haven't really grew since I was like 14. You know, I've always been pretty big. Uh, you, were, you were six foot four at 14. <laughs> I was like, I remember going into like, Pump when I was like year seven, I was like six foot, so I was quite tall. And then I reckon from 14, 15, I probably stopped this height. And all my friends caught with us when them started going to college and stuff like that. But no, I was never into fights and stuff like that. Me um, in school, maybe it was my size put people off. I feel like yeah. I'm quite good chatting, so I'm trying to like de escalate confrontation. Oh, so that, that's worse. So you, you, I mean, you had the size and everything, but you, you still were someone that was like, if confrontation's brewing, I'm going to try and de escalate it rather definitely, than definitely. deal with it I'm physically. Just- Yes, definitely. I would try to escalate. Even when I was younger, my friends and like, I never got in a fight and stuff like that. But if there was like, no onion bars and that, and there's like a few group of lads, I'd always be like, lads, away, we'll just leave it and just go. I've never been one for fighting and stuff like that. That's so, so interesting. How did you, you go from that sort of mindset of, of, you know, of not being, you know, interested in, in, in scrapping to all of a sudden finding yourself in a gym surrounded by people that wanted to scrap with you. How, how, how did that sort of, you know, journey into combat sports happen? So I probably did little bits of, like I say, I'm at the box and nothing like, no fights. You now when you go, maybe it's train once or twice a week, the old gym, go on the bags. I've done stuff like that. When I was about 15, um, my we, we two best friends really trained at a local jiu-jitsu gym and like did kickboxing. And I, by this point, I was probably just, like playing football a little bit, like in the Sunday league team. And then um, I always got like, I'm really said, oh, why don't you go and try the jiu-jitsu gym? And I was always like, oh, yeah, I would. And then like never, I mean, I started with my two friends. And it was basically at first more like 
just a laugh with your friends, like your few young kids go there. It was like obviously blokes, it was like quite good uh, cracking that and start training. Then I'd start by like maybe two, three times a week training. Then I'd start like upping it by the point where I was training every night after school. And then obviously try to train as much as possible. And then I just started, I enjoyed it really, the training. It wasn't about the fighting. I didn't think I had, I had my first fight and I was like, I had a kickboxing fight when I was like 19. So it didn't really interest us at first. Um, like I said, I was, I was pretty soft, you know. So, like, everyone, you and me, full of family, were quite shocked, really. They were like, ah, it's too soft to fight, really. And then I was about 19, I trained quite a lot. And I was thinking, oh, I'll just do one, you know, like, sort of um, people asking a few of my friends how to fight. So I did a kickboxing fight. Probably said, I enjoyed it. And then I started thinking, oh, I'll try a few more. And the more I did, did my first MMA fight, it was probably like 21. I'm at MMA, I think. And then I just started liking it, enjoying it. And then I thought, oh, I'm pretty half decent at this fight. And let's see where I can go. And then obviously, uh, the UFC now. <laughs> that's so that. funny. That's, sorry, that's just so funny. You're like your family going, ah, oh, he's a bit soft. He ain't going to do that. And you're in the <laughs> UFC. You're in yeah. literally the ultimate fighting championship. <laughs> After being like, oh, Mick's a bit soft. We ain't going to worry about him fighting. That's hilarious. I mean, yeah, definitely. Everyone, everyone thought like uh, I was probably still classed as soft now. But um, as a kid growing up, I like no like fighting and stuff like that. I was never around fighting and stuff like that. Uh, I just enjoyed the actual training part and like being around it. And then obviously, I like I love fighting now. You know what I mean? I love the sport. But uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. At first, I remember me like uh, family must have asked me at the gym like, "Oh, will he be good?" He was like, "Oh, yeah, he's good," but he never did anything with it because he's quite like soft. And like uh, that was when I was like 15, 16. And then obviously, like, I did all right. <laughs> but before you got to the UFC, Mick, I, I, I read something that um, uh, we, we know that a lot of fighters that we've interviewed on here, like British fighters, have, have gone through the kind of Cage Warriors route, which seems to be the, 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 the sort yeah. of go to route to try and, you know, get into the UFC in the UK. Um, and it said that you spoke to the matchmaker. I presume that was Ian Dean. Yeah. Uh, and. And there wasn't anything available for you. Is that just because Cage Warriors are a bit light on the heavyweight scene, or? Yeah. Um, so yeah, I remember me, me. Well, my training partners, the lightweight, uh, James Hendon, who was on Cage Warriors, and like my friend Justin Berlin, some were fighting on Cage Warriors. So I was going to quite a lot of the shows, like cornering them and stuff like that. Now I was saying I was struggling to get matched up with heavyweight on the local scenes. Like um, my coach Andrew Fisher's got a show called Rise and Conquer, and he would get his odd match on there, but he was having to appear like pay the opponents quite a lot and fly them over and stuff like that. And I'd have to, like, other shows, I was having to, like, pay them my purse. It wasn't a great deal, but I was offering my wages as well to fight. So I'd always, I pulled in there. I remember really sat beside on the coach that was taking it to the show. I said, oh, you're going to put us on in heavyweights? And he was like, look, I, I'm not saying you're not good enough. I'm not saying that at all. But he's like, There's, we need, like, 20 fighters to make it, like, a division. He's like, could you really name five heavyweights in the UK I was like, mm. he was like, um, obviously they had Tom Aspen along, but I think it's because the UFC really, really wanted him. So like the struggle to get him matched up as well. So he was like, maybe he's in a few years and stuff like that, but didn't have like, I think they've got like heavyweights now, but didn't at the time. And he was like, there's just not many of them. So, and the ones who were half decent get signed to bigger shows straight away. So he was quite honest with us, you know, he uh, get on well with that. Uh, so I spoke when he was like, it's got nothing against you, it's just there's not enough guys. Yeah. So that was a, a struggle because I knew Cage always to put shows on like quite high level and it's constant so you get matched up. So now I do other route of going to local shows like fighting people with maybe it's not great records but just anybody I could really and then obviously I was lucky enough to get the Contender Series out. That's amazing that you were like 
you've got to pay some of your wages yeah. to the person who you're fighting because there's just such a lack of heavyweights to fight. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. I, I mean, you must have been fuming. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, understand why, I understand why people were doing it because as a heavyweight, if you get like five, six, seven and all undefeated, you can go straight to the bigger shows and start making decent money. So I understand wow. a lot of people must be thinking like, what's the risk of taking hard fights like on the local scene to get knocked back maybe one or two years? I understand why people did it. But yeah, I was going to shows and I'm just like, oh, like they can have my, like don't get me wrong, it was a great deal. It was like 300 pounds. I was maybe getting a show of 500 pounds, not a great amount. But they all just um, offer them my wages and stuff like that. And they would fly in like people from abroad, usually like um, I bought a few Poli- like Polish guys or, yeah. like I said, they didn't have the greatest of records, but like it wasn't, Everybody I talked to, I was like, oh, it was like, oh, mixed, decent, good. He hasn't fought anybody. But I was like, I'm like trying. There's nothing I can really do. And obviously, I was, um, I think, five and all as a pro when the contender series got in contact with, uh, well, it was through Paul Craig, because it's always trained now. The message Paul Craig's mm-hmm. gym and said, is there any heavyweights or like bigger guys? And he says, oh, not at our gym, but there's Mick who we train with uh, down in the Northeast. And I looked at it, I think I got matched originally, and I says, oh, we'll try to get it at a later date. And they got back with us straight away and says, oh, you've got to fight for August on the Contender Series. Amazing. How did that feel? Oh, it was well. It was obviously nervous at first. You went from wanting to, like, fight on the big shows to getting, like, to the biggest show, really. I I felt like I didn't have the um, middle step of, like, going to a Kia Juries, which is, like, a big show fail, but you maybe it's not, like, in them crazy crowds. Uh, Or, like, what other people had. I was fighting in... Rise and Conklin stuff like there might be like a thousand people there, maybe it's a few less, a few hundred. So but I was any of the contender series there wasn't a crowd anywhere, it was just I don't know how many holds, a couple of hundred maybe. So yeah, it was a bit surreal. But I was training with really good guys at the time and uh, I was like doing okay with them, stuff like that. So I was always confident when I started fighting people who were better, but I was pretty decent. But like people didn't know I could have like fell at the first hurdle and they were like, Oh well, it's just because he's been fighting easier fights but then after they, like I won the contender series fight a lot of people were like oh he gassed or whatever he made a mistake and obviously I got a fight in the UFC and I feel like I beat a decent guy there while people maybe he's looking out and think oh he's half decent he wasn't just like beating people and then would fall so I feel like people can't really say I haven't fought anybody now so the last two opponents were definitely tough opponents Well you, you mentioned the contender series there and your UFC debut and I'm always interested to know Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. You know, there's, there's different types of fights on there. Contender Series is that one fight where it's all riding on that one moment. Do you get the contract or not? Whereas uh, you, you, your UFC debut, particularly for yourself, I mean, it was hardly an Apex show. It was the yeah. sold out 0-2 in London. I mean, 
what what's the difference in terms of your nerves going into it and which one is more nervous is it that one shot chance of the contender series or is it the debut in front of 20,000 people live plus millions worldwide watching what's the most nerve-wracking thing I think I was more nervous for the contender series I, I never was like not for the like fact that people weren't getting knocked out, they weren't getting signed and stuff like that. Because my coach always says, "Look, you fight your fight. Uh, if he doesn't like you, like we'll just go again, like and start winning. If you start fighting like you, how you don't fight and just swinging, there's a chance I could have knocked the guy. There's a chance he could knock me out straight away. So he was like, "We'll stick the game plan. Like how you're going to fight. Uh, then I get caught up in the moment. So I feel like a lot of people go crazy, and it works out. But sometimes it doesn't. So I thought like, oh." I was definitely more nervous for that um, because just I think it was because it was the first big show, my first real test of opponent. I went from people who like losing records to somebody who was, I think he was five and all at the time, like all knockouts. But he was the same. The, the guys he'd fought were like free and known, good records, but they weren't great as well. So I feel like I was in a similar boat for being tested. And then um, obviously it's weird, like you're walking out, there's no crowd, stuff like that. It's quite quiet when you walked in. Like, I remember waiting for the fight. And like you walk for them big double doors, and when you go through the apex, there's big double doors, and uh, there's obviously no music. And he like blasted through his, and they were like, get loud bang. And then the person who was walking me out was like, oof. And I was like, oh, so I come through the doors, I was just like, <laughs> so he like popped me through the doors, but I was just like, slowly pushed them open and like walked in. <laughs> and then um, he was definitely, I think, maybe he's not more nervous, he's definitely very nervous, but he was definitely more like, Hyped, I feel like for it, and then um, well, I originally watched him. He fought his last fight at South Park, so I thought, oh, he's a left-hander. We did loads of training for South Park, and then when the fight kicked off, he went back like right-handed. So the first couple of seconds, you can hear me coach shouting the other way, like stance, the stance, and I was like, oh, he's right-handed, but he just went crazy. I remember he's got dragged into a little bit of a brawl because he was just going crazy. But I knew you kind of keep that pace up for like I was ready to yeah. go three rounds. He, I think he was just ready for the early finish. Because he was finishing everybody straight away. And like I said, he definitely could have caught me straight away and knocked us out. He'd have been in the UFC now. But I feel like that style definitely gets found out. So, um, obviously, did he like, hit some decent shots and stuff like that. But when I did eventually grapple and get him down, I think he'd like spent himself because he was trying so hard for the finish. While I was probably a little bit more composed than him. And then, I, I, I think I was there as well for the UFC. I think they really wanted that guy because he'd fought on like... Um, I think it's LFA or something. Like it's basically yeah. like the American cage warrior sort of thing. And so he was coming from that. Um so they probably definitely wanted him because he was all knockouts and stuff like that. So I think I was there really yeah. for the guy to lose. I was a massive underdog to lose. You were an but underdog, I, weren't you? I remember yeah. that. Yeah, you were the underdog in that fight. So I don't think they actually watch your fights too much. They probably just look at your records, match you and stuff yeah. like that. They might have seen they'll have seen the odd one, but I don't think they actually looked into it and thought, oh, he's decent. They just thought, oh, he's got a winning record, we'll put him in there. Or the lad would probably kill him and would sign another guy. Uh, and then obviously when I beat him and looked like I like, fought a bit, they must be like, oh, he's half decent. Then I feel like the UFC are pretty fair. I feel like all the people who win the contender series, the sort of match over the contender series people, then I'm guessing they're looking who they can build and who like makes a base out of the contender series guys. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you got three rounds in in your UFC debut, which yeah. was a first for you, wasn't it? As, as a pro, yeah. anyway. Like, I don't think you'd ever seen a third round. Was it? Did that feel important to get fifteen minutes under your belt at that stage? Do you feel like that's like I look at someone like Ian Gary, 
who is lighting the place up at the moment. Yeah. But you look back at his first few fights, there was a couple in there that weren't the most exciting. He went three rounds. He got all that time under his belt. Like, do you, do you feel like that's that's a good thing to do, to, to, to get three rounds under your belt, gain that experience? Because you're still very young. You, you've not had that many fights. You're particularly young for a heavyweight. Do you think yeah. that's, that's a good thing to have got three rounds under your belt and maybe... Maybe take the career a bit slowly to begin with. Yeah, so, uh, well, don't get me wrong. If I'd thrown the first punch and knocked him out, I'd be absolutely buzzing with that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, I always, like, think it's going to be... I always tell myself it's going to be a really hard fight. It's going to be three rounds. It's going to be awful when you're in there. And then hopefully when you're in there, it's a little bit easier than what you expected. Yeah. But um, so I always tell myself, like, I thought Jamal was going to wrestle a lot more and stuff like that. And I thought it was going to be... One way I'd be taking us there, I'd be scrambling up and stuff like that. And I feel like when I was moving in there, the, the kicks, maybe he's took away his movement. And then, like, the positioning sort of, like, helped, like, him not being able to set his takedowns up and stuff like that. But, um, nah, I think it was good to get three rounds in because I felt pretty fit as well. Like, I definitely feel like I'm fit for a heavy guy anyway. But I hadn't done the three rounds. So I'm always thinking, oh, imagine if you do just gas really bad. But after doing three rounds, I felt like I was comfortable in there and could have done some more. So I definitely think it was... Maybe he's in the second round looking back, I could have pushed the pace a little bit more. Maybe he's took the second round off a bit, but still in the back of your head, you're like, it's heavyweight. Imagine if he just swung a windmill, knocked us out, like, he'd be buzzing and I'd be gutted. So I still try to sit, switch on, not take too many risks and stuff like that. But um, it takes two guys to fight as well. And I feel like after the calf kicks, he was sort of on the back, fit, back foot, so he wasn't committing as much, which makes the fight um, a lot harder for me to, like, set things up. Yeah. But, uh no, nah, it was good three rounds. Like I said, I knew he had really fast hands. I knew he was explosive. And I knew he was a really good wrestler. So I think it was a good matchup for us as well. But um, I thought he was going to wrestle loads more. I thought it was going to be a really, really wrestling match. But obviously, he shot like one or two TMs and I defend them pretty well. And I think the leg definitely compromised him quite a lot. But um, so three rounds is probably as good. I would say I can go three rounds now quite comfortable. So, uh, But if it was the first round finish, like I said, the next one, if it's the first punch, yeah. I'd be very happy with that as well. <laughs> Well, Mick, we know that you um you, you travel to Wigan and you, and, and you yeah. know you, you train with with, uh, with with Tom Aspinall. Um, ahead of that uh, London debut, um, how much did you sort of pick Tom's brain as to what to expect from like media week and, and walking out to you know a huge arena there to support you know British fighters? Like, did you sort of lean on Tom for advice about the, you know the whole experience of it? So uh, Tom was great, obviously. I go, was going down there probably two days a week. I go down, like I'm away Wednesday, Thursday this week. But yeah, because obviously it was his card, really. So I knew he was there. Obviously, he's got a lot more to do than, than me, media wise. Like he's there for hours, where I might have half an hour, an hour. Um, but yeah, he told us everything. He was like, "Oh, first thing you do, get there. There's a physio person you can book in. Get booked in with him." You can like have you get full treatment physio straight away and told us that. Um the meals, they make your meals every day. Where you go and see them and they like give you like a packet of meals, whatever breakfast, dinner, tea. But I wouldn't have knew that. They give you loads of supplements, anything you ask for, like they've got loads of supplements there. So little things like that I probably wouldn't have knew where Tom maybe didn't know that the first second fight, then he's found out. So I had a lot of things that I probably would have found out later that Tom and told us straight away, like, oh do this stuff like that so it's a matter of helping if I got stuck like oh who should I talk to about this Tom would be like oh we're going to say them now and obviously they all love Tom they're like he knows everybody there so it was like perfect for us to know what to expect like he told us everything to expect uh, what they're like 
well, just everything really. It was from the walkouts, everything. He told you, like, oh, it's going to be a big crowd and that. Like, um, obviously, like, enjoy it as well. Like, feel the crowd and stuff like that. It's probably the biggest crowd. He's like, it's amazing. Uh, so it was perfect for getting that. And even just, like, on the night time, with Papa Nando's, me, Tom, his team, and, like, me and my coach and stuff like that. So we had, like, just very chill the full week. You know what I mean? We had a lot of things planned to do. Went to, like, the pool some days, like, the steam room and stuff like that. So it was very chill in there. He helped us a lot. He was a massive, massive help for the week. Oh, Very importantly, what what is your Nando's order? What's what's, what's the Nando's uh, order of choice? I do love the fries, but I feel like sometimes they're a bit small. So it depends if I'm really hungry. So I'm going to go half chicken. I like chips, rice or chips and mash. I like to get two little wraps as well and make myself two wraps out of it. And two wraps as well. <laughs> what's <laughs> the spice? Wraps. What's the spice you go for? What? I, I like the peritame and me, the barbecue. Okay. Yeah, it's a controversial choice, I think, the Perry Tamer. Well, I've told people about it. I only knew because my friend used to work there and he said the Perry Tamer is mint because it's not actually on the menu, so I thought it was like a bit secret. But I'm starting to convert. I think um, Tom gets the Perry Tamer fries now. It's, a, oh, it's okay. slowly sort of turn, people. See, I'm, I'm a half chicken medium spice guy and I'm just medium. like, I don't know. I, the, so I might have to try the Perry Tamer on your recommendation I, now. I, I love the Perry Tamer. I think it's the best one. If it's shit, Mick, you will be hearing from me. Okay? <laughs> I will message you about it. Um, but, um, but yeah, no, mo- mo- importantly, you've got a fight booked. You are fighting, uh, and I'm sorry if I'm butchering his name, Chow Machado uh, on November 18th. So that's, what's that, like less than a month away now, is it? I think so it was five weeks Saturday, so it'll be four weeks yeah. this Saturday, I think. Four weeks, so there you go. So uh, yeah, November 18th. Um, look, what... I'm not going to lie and say I know loads about him. What What is it about Chow that you feel like you need to be careful of? And, that you know, how do you see your skills matching up for him? What's the pathway to victory for you? Without giving away game plan too much, obviously. Uh, I watched him, obviously, win the Contender Series. And I maybe just watched one or two fights of his earlier fights. Um, he's dangerous because he's quite wild. I don't think he's like... They know how somebody's a decent boxer. Not that he's a bad boxer, but he swings a lot of big haymakers and stuff like that, which is obviously dangerous for heavyweight. So I feel like, even though I feel like I'm a better striker than him, I'd have to be switched on for the full three rounds. And it could end up like a really ugly fight because he's just constantly comes forward with bombs. So I've been working a few things and stuff like that, and I feel like it's a very thorough matchup to how I fight, to fight him. I think it's a really good matchup for us. Oh, fantastic and you're on the undercard of uh, of your mate who made the call yeah. at the UFC to uh, grab this heavyweight and throw him in the mix so you, you're on the undercard of uh, of Paul Craig would that be good knowing that, that, that Paul's out there with you yeah Paul's great I think um, well he actually was out of the contender series as well two of his friends in Vegas so he corners in the contender series as well and to be honest I'm quite chill fight week um, he coach usually brings like a switch and we usually just play loads of Mario Kart and stuff like that <laughs> and we're telling Paul about it, and Paul plays like. Have you ever played like the Smash Bros? By like all the characters from Nintendo, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a little fight. It's quite fun. But Paul was like, "Oh, I'm pretty good at that." And we were like, we're "Smashing man, we're mint." But Paul was actually really, really good, and I think he knocked us all on that. We're like, <laughs> "Oh, brilliant!" I actually quite love those games as well. That's great. Yeah. I love the idea of you guys just playing Switch before <laughs> like it leads up to a fight. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, We've just got like a few uh, kind of more like quick fire like questions for you, mate. What I like always love to know is what what are the jobs that you've done to help either fund yourself fighting up until this point or 
what would you see yourself doing if you weren't a fighter now? What what would be the job you'd be doing now? Oh, I don't know. I'm pretty pretty lazy, and I sort of think of job like hard jobs. <laughs> I think I'll say hard works. I, I do train quite hard, but like the, these ten hour, twelve hour shifts would like kill me off. You know, um, I, I don't know. I've really thought about it. I thought I've always wanted to do this since I was like got half decent. I was like twenty twenty one. I've always wanted to do it, so I haven't even thought. Like I say, I'm pretty chatty, so anything to do with that would probably be, I'd be half decent at, but anything like mm. physical hard work, I, I don't think I'm the man for that. You'd like to be working from home, doing yeah. a few Zoom calls or that, something that, that'd be it. That's definitely, <laughs> that's definitely. But this, did, this did you not have to... This job will be perfect. This is it. Well, you you can come and take over from me and Stu uh, when the career's over. But um, what uh, was there no job that you had to do to fund yourself in the early stages of fighting? I was like, quite lucky. I worked like with my friends and stuff like that. But my friend got a door, uh, job just working the door on the weekends, like just working yep. in pub security. And like I was quite lucky to work at a really nice bar where... Like I said, I was like I say, work. It's very loosely. I work like maybe once, twice a week, if that, the weekend, just to get us by the train. And um, my bar was really nice, where there was not many fights and stuff like that. So it was basically me just standing around, talking to all the lads of the bar staff. So again, perfect job for us. <laughs> <laughs> just chatting away. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, Mick. I think I know the answer to this already. Uh, who's the next fire out of the UK that's going to become a UFC world champion? <laughs> going to be Tom. Definitely. It's got to be right? Yeah, <laughs> definitely. We'll see how it goes with Jones and Steve here, but uh, I don't know. I, I can't say them fighting for much longer, the two of them. Uh, there may be something might change. They might love fighting, but I just think uh, why do they need to take these really hard fights now? Um, I think yeah. most people think, when I've spoken to people, most think that either way they'll probably retire, but Jones might, Jones might keep about for a little bit while longer now. Obviously, I don't know how he's feeling and stuff like that, but uh, I don't know. How do you see that fight going? Jones and Stepe. I don't know. I really like Stepe, but I just can ne- You can never write Jones off ever. Like I know it's heavyweight. It might be a bit different. Obviously, I think Stepe can wrestle a little bit as well, so it might be a bit harder than when he fought like uh, Cyril Gain. But uh, then I would go with Jones. I think good to me. I'd have to go with Jones. Yeah, I, I, I actually think Jones will make pretty easy work of oh. it as well I mean, that sounds horrible but I just think Stipe's been out for so mm-hmm. long and he's like 42 now yeah. I just yeah I, I don't know it's, I, I'm, I'm not actually a big fan of the fight I'd much rather see Jones fight Pavlovich yeah. than I would fight Stipe you know keeps it moving but as you say it's very possible that whichever one of them wins likely being Jones I'd say both of them retire and then Tom might be slipping into a uh, a vacant title fight. I definitely think if that does happen, I think it would have to be Tom <laughs> and uh, Russian yeah. Pavlovich. I think that would make yeah. sense the most. But Jones might win and like, hang around for a little bit. I, I don't know. Or Stevie might do the same. Mm. You don't have the feeling. Both might fail men still. Yeah. Um, but just like when you get on a bit and you've, Jones has done everything, fighting these like guys are coming up who are like so killers. It's like... Yeah. Uh, why is he needed? But he might just love fighting. I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? He yep. might just love it. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm going to ask you something that's maybe a little bit cheeky now. I don't want to get you into any trouble. But do you think Cyril Garn slightly ducked Tom? Because in the Paris one, Tom was there yeah. ringside and Garn could have said his name. He's right there. And he didn't. And from my perspective, I felt like it was a case of him going... Well, I know my grappling isn't very good, yeah. and I know Tom's grappling is very, very oh, no, good. Way that better. Than, I, that, that's how I took it. Maybe I'm being right. unfair to Garn, but that's how I took it. Did you see it that way at all? 
I think loads of people would love to say the fight just for how Garn's probably uh, like more of the kicker, Tom's more of the boxer. I think the stand-up fight would be like really interesting to watch. But I definitely think in the back of his mind, uh, well, he when he said he doesn't grapple much and stuff like that, and like, a few of my friends were like, ah, he's just saying that for the camera. But I, I think he's generally just more kickbox. Do you think right? I think he's so awkward for the way he moves. I think he's like a nightmare to get yeah. hold of. But I, I do think it's massively, massively fair for Tom and the grappling. I think Tom would take them, submit them. So he's probably being smart, like as well, thinking like, why well, do I want to? Unless he's really smashing his grappler now, and then yeah. he's going to hold it off until he's like a better grappler wrestler. But it would be really good to watch. I think loads of people love it from the strike and stand up. But then Tom might just take him straight to him straight away. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, I think so. But I, I don't know who else he fights now. Uh, several with Tom and Russian. I, I don't know. know well, he fight. I think. Cyril wants to jump into a fight with Pavlovich, but right. I, I think Cyril, he beat Derek Lewis for the interim yes. belt, but then lost to, um, who did he lose to? Nganu. And then he's lost to Jones. So he's yeah. lost two title fights now. I'm not, I think it should be someone fresh and I think it should be Tom. Yeah. Uh, but I, I definitely agree with Tom, we'll but I also think the Russians should, <laughs> Russian should be getting his chance as well because obviously yes. he's done a well and so... If the Russian guy wouldn't be if obviously Tom will be absolutely buzzing for Tom, but I feel like the Russian and Tom would be the great fight for them too, I think. And hopefully that was for the belt that'll be even better. That's what I think is gonna happen. I, I think I think that we might see a bit of a double retirement happen, or at least Jones kind of not not properly retire, but like vacate, go away say. for a year or two, see what happens. Because he even said in an interview, Jones, that he's quite excited about what uh, what Tom yeah. does with his career. So it might bring him back. Um, so I think we might see a vacant title fight between Pavlovich and hopefully Tom. Uh, that'd be really, really good. Yeah, Jones and the he might step away and wait till them are like superstars and come back for more money, maybe yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. That would make more yeah. sense to him. Maybe he's fighting for like a lot more money. Or like a block, like a block yeah. Lesnar type of block Lesnar, something come back, he'd probably jump yeah. the chances out, yeah. something like that. Yeah. I mean, I've got to ask you, um, while we're talking about some, you know, all, all the big boys, Fury and Garno. Uh-huh. What's happening there? Uh, Unless Ngarno knocks him out straight away with the biggest windmill ever, I don't think anyone's really siding with Ngarno there. But Fury's, he's not a boxer, and Fury's probably arguably one of the best heavyweights ever. So Ever, yeah. Uh, I, I don't get around, they're getting loads of money. Who wouldn't take the chance of getting loads of money? Like, credit to both of them. Like, if you're getting loads of money, you might as well do it. But I definitely think it's been as uh, Tyson Fury massively. Yeah, yeah, uh, I, I agree. What's your uh, what's your favorite? Uh, well, I was going to say what's your favorite post fight food, but as a heavyweight, do you have to watch your weight much and watch what you eat much, or or do you have to eat very healthy and then can you binge afterwards? How does that work as a heavyweight, or are you just eating what you want all the time? I always try and eat good Monday to Friday. Like always, eat good. Like I'm pretty boring. Like the same thing every day. Like porridge, chicken and rice, and then maybe some chicken or steak on the night. And veg, I try and eat decent. I, I, I'm like naturally pop fat guy. If I ate like what normal heavyweights eat, I just balloon up straight away. So I try and eat pretty really? good. If I'm not gonna fight Saturdays, Sundays off, when I'm gonna fight, like I'm not like these little guys. I'm still having like maybe a pizza on a Saturday night after I've finished training and stuff like that. So it's definitely not as strict as why well, they're killing themselves not on like two hardball legs a day and stuff like that. I, I don't do that. I, yeah. st- I still eat loads. But I try and eat quite healthy during the week. I just feel better training as well. And then I'm not like, I think at the minute, I'm always close to on weight anyway, like walk about close to on weight. So as long as I'm there, I know worst comes to worst the week of the fight, I can just cut down, it will come naturally. I don't hop off anything like that. I can just uh, 
eat a little bit better or eat a little bit less during the week, and that usually makes us sit straight on the weight. Great. Fantastic. Fantastic. Um, lastly, what, who's the fighter that inspired you when you were growing up? What, who were the fighters that you watched? You're like, oh, I, I want to get into this because of this person. Uh, when I first started watching the UFC, I think like Kian Velasquez, and that was everywhere. That was like killing everybody. Yeah. So I liked Kian. I liked the staff when he came on. And uh, I also loved Jimmy Manoa. I remember mm, the yeah. first MMA show. I went to Bama, I think, down Nottingham or somewhere. Yeah. And he was headlining. And when you're a kid, I was 14, 15, looking, he was like 12 and all 13 and all, all first round, not out till day. Oh, he must be good. And he absolutely starts the guy with like a spinning back fist or a head kick or something like that. And I was thinking, oh my God, he's amazing. And that, um, so I followed him quite close. And obviously, I thought he was like really, really good. And I remember that a Bellator show, I saw him. My friend was fighting on Bellator and I got to see him. And uh, he seemed like a good guy and stuff like that. So I always liked Jimmy Manuel growing up as well. Oh, Fantastic. nice. Love that. Fantastic. Um, well, look, Mick, we, we, we've took up plenty of your time today and uh, and it's been so kind that you've you, you've come on a podcast. Um, we obviously wish you all the best uh, in your upcoming fight and uh, and we'd love after that at some point to have you back on and, yeah. and, and, and talk about your fight. And obviously it's going to be a win. Um, Mick, thanks so much, mate. It's been an absolute pleasure, mate. No worries, guys. Thank you. Oh, we're going to press stop, but don't go anywhere. Big parking. There you have it. There you have it. What a top lad. He was a top lad, wasn't he? Just he's like, I love the fact that he was just like this soft little chatty guy. Yeah. <laughs> and now he's like a UFC fighter. Well, I think it was his friends and family as well. Yeah. Come on, yeah. soft lad. Oh, Surely Mick not. Mick ain't going to do anything that softy. <laughs> oh, wait, no, he's an ultimate fighter. Yeah, no, fair enough. We got that one wrong. Um, I also didn't get to say anything, but I loved the idea that... Um, He's fighting some guy in the Contender Series in the Apex who smashes the doors open. And whoever the guy is walking Mick out, the guy next to him just goes like, oh, like, like, oh, he sounds a bit scary. I'm glad I'm not you, Mick. I think if that bloke was standing next to me, I'd be like, what are you doing that yeah. for, mate? Jesus. <laughs> what are you trying to do to me? And then Mick's just like really gently pushing the doors open. like Just in case someone's the other yeah. side of it. Let's just you know, gingerly open the door. Right. <laughs> Love it. The- Hiya. <laughs> Hiya. Hiya, mate. How's it going? Uh, oh, no. Soft lads here. <laughs> oh, Mick, if you're, if you're listening to this, Mick, please have your nickname Mick Soft Lad Parkin. That'd be so brilliant. That would be so good. Uh, but no, what a lovely, lovely guy. And it's a great, Wonderful. great performance in his Contender Series fight. Great performance on his UFC debut, getting in those three rounds. And again, 28 years old, 7-0. He's, you know, not got a huge amount of experience and he's not very old for a heavyweight. He can take his time, take it slow, and then just like... I'm slowly- not being funny. If you're talking about experience, what better... UFC experience can you get in two fights one of them being the contender series and the second one being walking out in your hometown at the O2 the stuff that he's going to draw from that that is absolutely you're not going to get that experience anywhere else are you that is abs and and knowing the fact that you know your right hand men are like literally Tom Aspin or Paul Craig people that have been there seen it done it that are just bestowing upon you their their kind of advice and wisdom that they've already got from it fantastic really brilliant and as we say November 18th he's fighting again on the undercard of the Paul Craig Brendan Allen fight Uh, Christian Lee Duncan on that card as well 
Oh, yes, yeah, Christian Leroy Duncan's on a card. So, yeah, so a few Brits there, which would be great. And best of luck to Mick in that fight. And, you know, it could be a really fun time for UK heavyweights. You know, Tom Aspinall, I think, could very easily become a champion within, like, the next year. If Jones and Stipe retire and then they make a vacant title fight, they could make that vacant title fight within the next few months. It could happen January, February. Absolutely. Tom Aspinall could be the heavyweight champion of the world in just a few months' time. Who knows? And then I you've like got, the sound of that. Bro. I love the sound of that. And then also you've got young Mick Parkin coming up as well, doing things at heavyweight, hopefully. And uh, yeah, we could, we could have a really great time for UK heavyweights uh, coming up over the next few years. Um, is there anything else to say? Only come on the soft lad. Come on the soft lad. Go on, Mick. November 18th. <laughs> Do him, son. 